Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the sociology staff room. Hello and good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending when you're hearing this. I'm Katie Tyler and welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. So today we've got Peter, Peter Covington with us um, and you're here to talk to us about particularly the 10 mark question. Uh, so first of all, hello and thank you for your time. No problem at all, nice to meet you. Oh, thank you, Peter. I appreciate there might be a little bit of a delay there, so hopefully we'll be good with with the uh, the sound. But yeah, definitely. So first of all, ten markers. We know about the ten markers; they appear on every paper, particularly an issue for or say issue suggesting that it's it's a concern. It might not be for for students and staff, but um, obviously the option paper has obviously a significant amount of the ten markers on there. Um, I know that, say, for some of the students, and there's sort of a concern around the 10 markers, um, particularly the one with the item, but, yeah, the 10 markers, I think the students do, well, maybe it's just my sort of own experience and, and stuff, but why do you think some students might find, I'm going sort of launching into the 10 markers, because assumption the, the audience knows what we're talking about in regards to 10 markers with them teaching sociology, but why do you think some of the students might find, in your experience, um, 10 markers a challenge? I think there are a number of issues really. I think first of all, we just don't write enough. Uh, so often, well, it's obviously 15 minutes, so they need to be writing at least a side of A4, probably a bit more than that. So I often see kind of much less than that. And uh, you know, obviously they're thinking they're gonna get really good marks with that. And they can do if they're really precise, but they need to be really precise, very analytical, and need to use lots of studies and, and often that's just not there. So I think that's the first challenge, just making sure you do write enough. I think the other thing is that, um, you know, you just need to be aware of the two different skills that the 10 markers are, are asking for. And the other thing is to make it as easy for the examiner as possible to just spot um, what is going to be rewarded, really. And often that just doesn't happen. Yeah, so like obviously for us as teachers, because obviously the audience will be here, sort of teachers, some of us uh, experienced teachers, some people new to teaching, uh, some people that are non-specialists. So it's, it's that magic question students always ask us, you know, how much should I be writing for that question? But I suppose it's not just the question of how much, although you obviously said that students don't write enough, but making sure they analyse enough and making sure they... Um, are precise and concise as well. And I think that's where the students, particularly my own experience, get unstuck a little bit on that. So I want to sort of delve into that a little bit because obviously I should have said that you're, you know, an experienced teacher for many years um, within sociology, both at A-level and at GCSE. Uh, and it's always just good to share good practice with people that have been in, in the field for a significant amount of time, let's just say, a significant amount of time without ageing you there, Peter. Um, 30 years, but... I think, is that important? <laughs> So we talk about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, what I suppose what is is we talked about one without the item first because that seems a little bit more um, sort of less complex maybe for some of our students. How do we sort of as professionals help support our students with answering this question? Then, how what would your recommendations be? Well, my recommendation would be just to go, you know, first 
my first point is literally you spell it out for the examiner you know what points and what ids you just need to make sure that you make it very clear what id you're coming up with or what point you're making you're coming up with and then obviously what you're doing is you're analyzing that particular point explaining it using as many writers and concepts and theory as possible uh, and my my recommendation although the exam boards say you don't need to evaluate i'd really don't think it does any harm just to have a small gobbit of evaluation at the end of each of the paragraphs concerned and it should literally just be two paragraphs paragraph paragraph one with your first point you're going to make and paragraph two done really yeah so sort of almost like mini essays aren't they because i was i was talking yeah. to uh kate flatley about this right right at the beginning sort of in the summer really when we've sort of launched the podcast and it always makes sense sort of to teach 10 markers first because it's almost like they are the setup for your 30 markers and your 20 markers because the paragraphs are really what you're looking at is you, like you said you want to make the id you want to explain that you want to apply concepts names and then potentially analysis of the evaluation um which is what you just said um and obviously all within sort of 15 minutes which i suppose is, is a skill has to be developed because obviously at greater depth they've got to write more for the 20 and 30 marker um what are other than sort of the sort of not right enough, not enough analysis. Is there any other particular pitfalls with the one without the item for students? Yeah, and I think often they don't just don't look at the question. And, you know, when it says, um, you know, experiences of childhood, you've got to explain, you know, how the children feel about both adults working. So, I mean, uh, one of the tips we were given was, you know, how does it make the, the children feel? feel and I feel feels quite a nice word because you get to think about you know how they do feel about it um so you know very look look at the wording make sure that you're using that similar wording when you're responding uh, in your in your example because mm. often I've, we've I've noticed uh with you know just the way examples generally are going um with whatever examples uh you know, schools are working with, uh, and across subjects actually, because I was talking to other students uh, and teachers from other subjects, and there is that demand now to sort of assess skills a lot more uh, rather than just knowledge, which obviously makes sense because it's not a memory game at a particular A level. Um, that they're sort of looking at applying across two sort of areas of the specification on that topic. So, for example, if it's childhood, it's experience of childhood with changes in family size or something like that. So again, those people that might not be experienced, what are your sort of tricks in order to do that in your own teaching practice? Um, I think the first thing to say is I'd for teachers in general to get as many exemplars as possible. So, you know, every year get a selection of kind of a, you know, A star or a C or a B uh, candidate and just see what they're writing and, and show the students. And I think, you know, I would say to my students, I don't want you to replicate what's been written here it's a guide for you as to what you need to be doing, seeing the structure, seeing the kind of wording that's needed, seeing the evaluation and so on. So so kids, they could just know roughly what they need to be doing. And I think that makes it so much easier for students when they've got a template that they can be using really to, to guide their answers. So that's a really strong recommendation. Um, <clears throat> I think the other thing to say is also, you know, use as many examples as possible um, and then you, you're getting your application marks in as well. Yeah, so getting sort of examples of, of concepts, real life examples, uh, and putting that across. Yeah, I mean, I know that, I mean, 
uh, I spoke to Duncan, um, which would be one of the sort of previous podcasts about sort of revision and and looking at that and thinking about. He also echoed the really the importance of um, looking at exam questions and doing exam questions and looking either planning them, doing them because ultimately, though we you know there's that sort of debate: should we teach for the exam? Should we not to teach for the exam? Ultimately they are going to have an exam and that's a really good way of revising and and playing around with sort of bits of the specification and sort of planning responses to that so the students feel quite familiar with that and another way like you've just said is is using exemplars which are really important because students can do quite a lot with them can't they I was just thinking about that today I, I know myself I've just p- printed off um looking exemplars and I'm sort of of ex-students basically and got them sort of um obviously take all the names off and all that sort of stuff and rewrite them and jazz them up and, and getting students to think about grading them as well. So it's not just them getting writing them, it's getting them used to probably the mark scheme as well. With regards to the item, this one's the one that I think is the one that sort of could, for some, be a bit of a car crash, you know, um, and, you know, sort of a challenging question. So my sort of question to that is, Again, what is the challenge with the 10 mark with the item? What are the pitfalls? And how can we overcome them? Well, I think the obvious pitfall is that they don't uh, find the hook. And if they don't find the hook, the maximum mark they're going to get is three. So it is absolutely essential that you make the hook as obvious to the examiner as possible. And that probably just means, you know, literally quoting what the hook is um, and doing that at the very start of the paragraph. And then obviously from that point on, point onwards, you analyze, obviously use writers, um, evaluate and so on. I find it really frustrating if I'm looking right the way through, you know, a side of A4 and I can't obviously see which hooks they're using. Uh, and that just makes it more difficult for me to mark. And, you know, when it's down to it, you know, you want your examiner to to kind of see it straight away uh, and want to reward as many marks as possible immediately, as it were. So that there's the first idea that you make the two hooks very straightforward, put them in the front, literally the first paragraph, um, the first sentence of that paragraph, it's there so the examiner can see it straight away. And you do the same for the second hook as well. So get that with quite an easy starter activity, couldn't it, for our students? You sort of get them to make items. I know that Duncan said this already, that we could get either students to make up items to make our life a little bit easier as they get more confident or pulling off items off, you know, the... Well, you just yeah, don't you? You just say, what I do is I'll just say to, to the students, what, what are the two or three hooks there? And uh, they get so used to kind of finding them. And I, I definitely think that uh, over the... The what since 2017 they've made it easier for to for us to find or for students to find the hook. I think to start off with they were kind of just kind of working out where the students would find them easily, and it was obvious by 2018 they weren't. And from that point onwards, I think it just got easier. So I think that there is really shouldn't be a problem with finding the hooks. Certainly with more modern papers, 20 um, what. Uh, 21 uh, 22 much more easy to find them but just sign them and you know try not to use cinnamons don't don't try to reword it use the words there to make it as obvious for the examiner as possible because as i said examiners want their life to be as easy as possible go oh there we are underline the hook and then obviously look for writers how it's applied to the question etc etc so pretty much the same for format as the 10 mark but applying it 
to the hook, which is essential. So it's one similar to the 10 markers without the item in its format to a point, uh, although it requires more sort of analysis in that and also... Definitely. An evaluation, yeah, and also a, a, application to that item. You know, that's the key. Because I think, yes, you know, sometimes I suppose the question's there and the students want to answer the question and almost ignore the item. Sort of like you see the question and, and sometimes, you know, the question's implicitly answering the item, but it's not explicit. So that's sort mm -hmm. of accidental rather than anything. So you would recommend, do you get your students to signpost them then? Is that what you get them to do? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, like physically, yeah. You Would you get them to it. underline it? Like literally underline it, quote it? Well, the first thing you do is to say to your students, read it. I mean, I think it's so generic that it'd be almost impossible not to use. I mean, I, you know, no examiner's going to go, well, they didn't use one part of the item. I'm going to give it to, you know, seven rather than ten. It doesn't work like that. So certainly they need to read it. And obviously there's clues there from the item itself. So use it. Use the item, obviously. Um scribble on it use highlighters or whatever certainly apply the knowledge that, that that's sitting right in front of them that's going to assist them with the answering the question really and how do you get the students to revise for it other than sort of just looking at the items is there any other techniques that you use in order to help the students revise this these 10 markers because they are such a feature of all of all papers paper one two and three well, I'm a big one for just looking at the trends, you know, what's come up, what's due to come up, what wording they use. And you can literally just go through and, and spot, you know, what that they tend to use experience or, you know, something like that, experience of childhood or something like that, and just see what's come up and what's likely to come up as well. So I'm very keen on question spotting. I think it works very well. Um, and obviously, you've got to caveat that and say that we're not soothsayers, we don't know what the exam board are going to be exactly writing, but you can certainly assist them to, to think about what questions have come up, what the wording is, and for them to kind of uh, revise accordingly, really. The same thing applies yeah, to Yeah, and I suppose the key is, is, is yeah, same happens, yeah, as I say, the, the key seems to be, the key message for me, correct me if I'm wrong, is practice, practice, practice. Is, is that right? Is that what you're sort of saying, or is it you know, an exposure, I suppose, to those sort of questions. Uh, the only thing I do in class, you know, I do assessments in class and and class only. I think, you know, in a, in a day where they, modern age, where they can just go on the computer, just put the question in and churn it out. There is no point doing assessment. 10 markers or 30 markers um, outside the classroom, it's just a, a waste of time. So, um, you know, what I do is... A, I prepare them for that. Um, I'll go through what they need to be putting. I'll show them an exemplar. We'll go through the mark scheme and go, well, you know, are you sure you know all these concepts? Um, ask them, perhaps, you know, test them as what those concepts are. E even for a test essay or a 10 marker, what I do is use, use starters to, to guide them and make sure that they know all the concepts, all the writers they need to be using and appropriate examples as well. So I think that's key as well. I think the last thing to make, uh, make a comment about is, you know, I'm very fortunate that I'm a one-person department. Is that fortunate or not? I'm not sure, actually. I think in many ways it is fortunate because you can make the links from family to crime and deviance, from media to, um, to crime and deviance, globalisation, for example. Um, and I think that, that really, really helps if you are a one-person department. 
But even if you're not, I think you can sit together and, and make sure that you do kind of plan for those synoptic links to be made. And I, I think that's particularly true of you know, the, these 10 markers where it might, might talk about migration and, and family and you know, just there's so many synoptic links to be made really. Mm, some interesting points I'd like to sort of pick with you very sort of briefly. I, I noticed you sort of said that you, you know, controversially or not controversially, attending what side of the fence you sit on, that you only do exam questions in lesson time. How then, I mean, this is not the question that I'm trying, I'm not playing, I am, I'm not playing devil's advocate solely on this question, although there's an element, the element of that. Um, how do you then do you get through content? How do you balance that then? How do you balance getting through content as well as devoting exam time in lesson time? I think um, there's nothing more important than practicing exam questions. So I think um, it's just experience, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I know that if I go the same pace as I usually do, and I'll finish a month early. Um, and that's the way it goes. Sometimes you have to rush things towards the end a bit. But 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 often they're like bits where there's, there's kind of an overlap. So, for example, um, with Crime and Deviance, um, you, know, you do Modern Rockers, but you'll also do that when you do media as well. So you can cut bits out as well. So, I mean, I think it's about being savvy with your time, making sure you're not overspending time on, on I mean, you know, the reality is, I mean, I was, what was I doing today? I was doing, um, you know, Matza, for example, and that's like two or three lines in a, in a question on, on subculture theory. So you need to be aware that you need to cover it, but, but equally that you're not going to be spending, you know, two weeks on it because it is just a small part of subculture theory and just getting used to, you know, what the, what you, you kind of need to do to make sure, make sure you do finish the, finish the content. And I, you know, I think that that's, it's interesting. Obviously I'm not doing exams for, for what's 2020, 2021 teachers, they've got to think about, well, actually you need to make sure you do finish the spec. And of course, this year we've not we're in the situation where we're not going to be told any advanced information. But again, I think that's where experience comes down to. You know, well, what questions do you think is going to come up? Look for the trends, both for ten markers and for thirty markers, and indeed for four six markers as well. So you can see the patterns and what like what's likely to come up. Okay, so sort of a combination of things is, is a little bit of experience, a little bit of knowing the examples uh, and your specification, obviously, which goes without saying. What about people that would say, well, what about engagement? You know, if students are doing exam questions consistently as sort of within lesson time, how do you keep them motivated, particularly if it's sort of like sort of sandwiched? At the, are you thinking that you do do it, obviously, I assume you do it throughout the year or uh, sort of load it a little bit more towards the end? Just, what, how does that look for you when you're putting the exam questions in? When you finish your topic area, you do mm. an assessment. Now, again, it's not just about doing an assessment. What I do is literally I give them directed feedback time where they look through their scripts. Um, they see what, what they could have put in the introduction, what could have gone in paragraph one, two, three, four, five, all the concepts, all the writers, all the evaluation. And I get that to get them to add it into their script. So I think engagements in terms of, well, you know, when it comes down to it, um, in school assessment is practice and I want them to peak not when they're doing the, the assessment in class but when they're doing it in, in the exam uh, and that's really what you're trying to do um, and I find, find they do peak then so that, that's really the way to do it isn't it I think yeah. they just feel confident that I always say to my students that 38% they reckon 38% of the mark is just knowing what you've got to do 
So if you're telling the kids exactly what they need to do, they're part of the way there, aren't they? Of course, yeah. And obviously it's an application of the skill within the exam setting as well. Um, any sort of final tips? Because obviously I appreciate, like you said, you're a one-person uh, department, I suppose, a one-person subject. And obviously there's strengths and weaknesses with that. We've, we've spoken up with other um, guests that we've had on. Um, and obviously your experience within your setting is relative to the context that you're in and it's great to share good practice. So is there any sort of other final words of wisdom from yourself, Peter, that you'd like, you think that might, you know, some of us may pick up on or or think about, consider? I think the few things are essential. And... Sorry, my doorbell's just gone now. <laughs> Don't worry, that's just uh, life. That's just life. It is just life. The cat's just uh, gone crazy as well. I think my wife will get it in a second. Anyway. And, um, you know, I can't stress how important it is for the students to make sure they write legibly. And, uh, you know, um, I think if you're spotting students who, when they're doing test essays and you're going, I can't read this, you need to be thinking about making sure they, they type it out instead. Um, and and give enough know, plenty of time, I assume, for that like, yeah, process being I mean, sorted out within school. Yeah. Yeah, no one tells you these things. But, you know, when you're, when you're mm. struggling with the script, you need to be going, right, you go to your... Um, you go to the SEN department and say, look, you know, I can't read this person's writing. We need to make sure if, if that's across the board, uh, make sure that they're, they're typing out their scripts. And I think that huge, makes a huge difference as well. And of course, they do that in test essays, whether it's a 10 marker, whether it's a 30 marker. But, you know, I think, you know, make sure they write in a, in a dark pen, a black pen, so the examiner can read what, what's on the screen there, because it, it's not easy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, what I think is useful advice that you just said is really sort of uh, sensible advice is, um, you know, I think I think sometimes as teachers we think, oh, well, the students gone through the school and they haven't been given any um, sort of considerations from SENDNEEDS through the school for whatever reason. And then when it comes to exam mark time, whether that's GCSE or A-level, because it hasn't been picked up previously, people think, oh, well, I don't need to pick it up now because surely it would have been picked up in the past. But actually the reality is, well, students haven't really done exams before like this. So it might be the first time they encounter it at GCSE. Or for some reason, GCSE, the exams look maybe a little bit shorter on the papers. And then it's more of a thing when it comes to A-levels where the essays are longer. And yeah, I totally echo that, that if you've got any inkling with a student that you feel that may need a typewriter or extra time, or typewriter, gosh, I'm saying my age, I mean, <laughs> word processor. I've got a great story about that. My, my first school, very posh school in a, in uh, East London. Um, literally, this student, uh, you know, she he done brilliantly right the way through the course, and um, he sat exam and he got like a D, and he did a A star right the way through the whole of the course. And he then told me that he was dyslexic. I didn't know that, and um, of course, he didn't have the extra time at GCSE, so he just assumed he wouldn't get extra time at A level. Um, and what happened was um, we prove that you've got dyslexia and whatever again you need to make sure you get the SEN department to decide there to do that reading the paper and you got an A grade you know so from a D so I think you can't stress the importance of you know knowing your kids and just knowing you know well knowing them and what, what kind of issues they have and if you don't know issues you're going to find your kids underachieving and you know they might have to reset the paper like he did so you know I think it's just knowing the kids and making sure you give your students every best possible chance of doing really well in the exam. 
Oh, thank you. That's such sensible advice because I think sometimes you don't, there's a sort of chain of reactions to that, isn't it? Is getting all that evidence in place as well. So it's and then there's a cut off date, which I can't remember the date is for for different schools or whatever. So making sure that that information is there. So thank you for that. That's really sensible advice. And thank you again for sharing your time and your your ideas for teaching those ten markers. Um, and like you said, you know, lots of practice makes perfect, and exposure. Uh, to lots of different questions is a great idea. So thank you again. Have a lovely yeah. evening, and um, I, I hope your cat's okay. <laughs> oh, she's back in a box now, so we're fine. Oh, brilliant. Oh, well, have a lovely evening, and thank you. Thank you very much. Bye -bye. Good evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Sociology Stuff Room is brought to you by tutor to you Sociology. Find us at tutortoyou.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutortoyousoc or Instagram at tutortoyousoc. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.